Hello there. Welcome to the 36th episode of the SPS podcast. This episode is a performance origins deep dive episode where I go deep with a large content creator and discuss their journey, their struggles, and the things that they had to overcome. And in this episode, I'm very pleased to have Eddie War on Weakness as my guest. Let's get into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. We are in episode 36 of the SPS podcast, and we are doing a deep dive episode. And today, joining me is Eddie, War on Weakness on Twitter. He's got over 100,000 followers. Eddie escaped the nine to five, and now it's his mission to help you do the same by improving your writing skills. It's one of one of the most interesting accounts on Twitter. He's also got a great uh, passion for movies, which we'll probably talk about a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the the movies are important to Eddie's content. If you follow him, if you don't already, hundred percent go and check out at War and Weakness on Twitter. But Eddie. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much for joining me on the SPS podcast. It's fantastic to have you. I've, you know, we've talked before, we've, we've been in different chat rooms before. I think I, you're a follower that I, I, I selected years ago, uh, a couple of years ago when I was starting my, my, my Twitter journey. I've always been super inspired by your work, but thank you for being on the podcast and it's, it's awesome to have you here. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah, I'm pumped to be here, man. It's, uh, you know, I'm glad we're talking about a topic that I'm very passionate about. Performance, quitting nine to five, leaving it out behind. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah, man. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into it. We'll jump into it. So to start off, I asked this question to all, all my guests that, that jump on the podcast. What What is your personal philosophy around performance or success? What, what What's your personal philosophy around that? Okay. So that's a quite interesting question, right? Um, and I'm glad that you're asking me it now because there was a period of my life, and I'm sure I think like a lot of entrepreneurs and people who work for themselves go through this, where you discover this magical thing called self-improvement. So for yes. some people, that's like mindset stuff. For some people, that's like fixing their habits. Um, for some people, that's as simple as just getting to the gym. So yeah. there, people come into the self-improvement world at all different angles. Um, for me, it was reading, you know, what what would be considered popular self-improvement literature. So I remember like when I first got my, well, I think it was like my first professional job. One of my friends who I used to go to high school with, we used to catch the same bus into work. And one day he had Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People on him. And I, and I thought I thought that was a, like a really cheesy name for a book. And I was like, that's <laughs> I started making fun of him. Yeah. And he said, you know what? This this book's actually I know it's got a very cheesy name, but um it's actually really it's actually a really, really useful book. You know, it's gonna teach you um a lot of social skills and things like that. So I put I picked it up, I read it. I was night I was eighteen, nineteen at this time. And so to an eighteen, nineteen year old me, um, the idea of just being more social and treating everyone go, treating everyone with that extra ten percent of respect that you wouldn't normally do would um you know it's it was a, it was a life-changing lesson yeah. and so from there i just went down this path of like consuming a dump a bunch of different self-improvement literature um and that went on for about honestly like five ten years where i was yeah. just like consuming self-improvement stuff self-improvement porn is as it's commonly known as <laughs> yes yes game. one of those now in the last five years 
of like having my own business of being completely independent. It's, you know, the, the mo you know, you can read every book about habits, about performance, about productivity that you can. But to me personally, it's just about doing the same boring, high lever tasks over and over and over again and never getting bored of it and just yep. sticking to your craft and being consistent over a long period of time. And there's, and, and, and the problem with that is that it, there's, there's nothing sexy about that. No. Right. Um, but it, it's what works. Um, and so like, to me as a writer, if you look at my business, like I, I I'm a ghostwriter. That's where I make most of my income. Um, my day to day routine, it's really damn boring, man. Like I wake up early. I, I, I get my, I got my morning sunlight. Shout out to Andrew Human for that. I go for a walk, <laughs> come back, have breakfast. I, I do a couple of hours of client work. I have lunch. I go to the gym. I come back. I do a couple more hours of client work. And then I spend a couple of hours, you know, relaxing, hanging out with my girlfriend. And then I go to bed and I do the same thing again. Yeah. Right. It's, it's super, super boring. But, you know, as long as I do, as, as long as I get my daily steps in, as long as I get my daily gym in, as long as I do my client work, as long as I do my content creation, um, as long as I can do four or five high ROI tasks and I can do them every single day forever, like I'm good. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, so like I've actually read less books that compared to my previous life this year than I have in every other year, but I've gotten more done and, and I've gotten more done by just keeping up with the exact same thing and just keeping and just making sure I'm getting my high ROI tasks in every single day, because as long as I do that, the victory eventually comes. Yeah. I love that. There's so many little small things I could pull out uh, from that to ask you a follow up question. I, there, there's so much of it similar to how I look at it. Uh, you know, there, there's one train of thought when you were saying about the boring stuff kind of reminds me of yeah. like playing like an open world video game where you run around for like two or three hours doing really mundane shit so you can actually face the next boss and then you have your like 20 minutes of excitement as you're playing against the boss and then you go back to doing a whole bunch of mundane shit running around finding keys and doing boring kind of boring stuff before you actually get the win and the win for us in business would be signing the client getting that big yep. you know getting that getting that big reward because we, we go we can go weeks uh without you know getting that those big wins uh you know some people might be days might be weeks might be months for other people depending on the type of offer you have so it, it is about doing that boring stuff in between the wins that keep keep things ticking over so i got an interesting story about that exact point so i was talking to a couple of friends who they paid something like 30 30 or 36k in a year over a course of a year right for a very very high ticket coaching program yeah. Um, that's related to marketing. And I asked them, I said, was it worth it? They said, yeah, it's definitely worth it. And I said, okay, so what was the cool thing? What was the bad thing about this program? And they said, well, the cool thing is actually the same thing as the bad thing. So he, he they were saying this program, they teach you so much. There's so much value in it. So they teach you Instagram ads. They teach you Facebook ads. They teach mm -hmm. you email marketing. They teach you high ticket sales. All these things that you need to run like a high ticket agency slash coaching business. But because it's so valuable, the downside is that you get distracted. You want to do everything. You yeah. want to run Instagram ads. You want to do Facebook. You want to do Twitter. You want to do cold email. Uh, and because you're trying to do everything, you're not getting anything done. 
Yeah. But the answer is just all I need to do is just run more ads, send more cold DMs, yeah. and get more bookable calls. That's the only thing we had to do to grow our business. Because what happened was before they joined the program, a friend of theirs had told them, they said, listen, you guys don't need this coaching program. All you need to do is just send more DMs, run more ads, book more calls. Yeah. And yeah. so they spent a year doing this program, which was super valuable to go back full circle and come back and say, oh, so all I needed to do was just run more ads, send more, send more cold DMs and book more calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's like that, uh, that bell curve where you see the, the, the caveman and then the, the guy crying at the top yeah. and then the Jedi kind of like guy at the end says, you know, send more yeah. DMs, book more calls. No, no, I need a $36,000 yeah. program. <laughs> and then no, yeah, send yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So That's... I also ask myself, Stephen, like, like <laughs> I think that when we, when we get stuck, we have a tendency to to overcomplicate the, the problem that we're facing, right? Yeah. We, have a, we have a tendency to be like, okay, there, there's something missing here. There's something missing here. Maybe there wasn't anything missing. Maybe it's just we're just impatient. Yeah, and we literally just need to just stop being a coward, just keep going, keep doing the same old boring. I I, I really really like that. Keep doing the same old boring stuff that works because I, I I my philosophy you know revolves around doing less dumb shit, and I often look at the dumb shit as the stuff that's distracting me from my core core business, which is write good content, send good emails, get clients on calls. Yes, I could probably do more outreach, but my, my goal is to uh, have a really good inbound system where things come to me. And, and that means improving my writing, telling better stories, um, having a, a personal brand that, that people want to work, you know, like people want to work with me. Oh, people do want to work with me, but you know what I mean? There's a, there's a more of a lineup to the to the queue, if that makes sense, to the, to the door. Yeah. And, and that's my goal to do that. But I can tell you, you know, I get distracted with that. I'm like, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Should I be doing this? You know, but but again, you, you have to push all that dumb shit and that noise away and then focus on what you're actually doing. Because, you know, I can tell a quick personal story. I, I got COVID a month ago and or three or four weeks ago and I was out. Just couldn't write any more threads. Couldn't, uh, my emails just went down to really basic kind of almost repeating stuff I'd said before just to keep them ticking over. Uh, back end of November through to today, I've had more phone calls booked and uh, I've had more client calls when I'm even on COVID jumping on sales calls because they were booked because uh, I didn't remove my calendar link. And I had a lot of success over the last few weeks being sick and taking a step back from my business. And I put that down to the four or five, six months of mundane, boring stuff that I kept doing over the last six months. And it, when I actually took a step back from it, it all you know, I didn't say it, it didn't break the dam, but it definitely resulted in my business keeping the momentum going, even though I wasn't putting my foot on the gas, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. Yeah. It goes back to what I was just saying. Like we, I don't know, when, when things stop working for us, we just automatically, it's like, it's like a switch in our head. Like we're like, there's something here we got to fix. And we go looking for other problems, uh, or as you, as you say, looking for dumb shit to do. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we always make a problem up that we didn't even have, you know. And then we go exactly. and learn that stuff. Like I've got to go and learn cold email. So you go, and, you go and buy a cold email course and spend hours uh, learning cold email, and then you figure out that it, that didn't. But it might it might work for you, but it was just an extra layer of stuff, skill that you were that you're building didn't actually need. That's uh, that, exactly. it is, happens to a lot of people in, in solopreneurship, hundred percent. So switching gears a little bit, I really like that sort of 
idea about your personal philosophy. It's like do, doing the same high leverage things repeatedly and not falling out of love with doing those actions. It's, it's a good philosophy. But if I, if I could ask, you know, going back five or 10 years, you know, let's talk about your journey because you're in Colombia currently. Uh, yeah. You're from Australia. Uh, yeah. You were working nine to five. Where, where, where did this, you know, you've been an entrepreneur of five years. You're one of the, probably one of the most legit ghost writers. There's a handful off you on Twitter. You're one of them uh, on Twitter. You know, wh what was that journey? And then within that journey, what was the biggest struggle or, or, or the biggest sort of performance issue that you had to overcome to, to get to where you are today? Great question. Um, so I'll try and fast forward the story because it's quite a long story. Um, <laughs> I had a job in, in finance because when I was going through university, or I, or I wanted to, well, when I was going through university, I, I wanted a job that paid well and I wanted a job that was stable. And so like accountancy and finance was like the most obvious thing. I was like, well, if I, if I get a finance degree, they're like, there's no job. Like everyone needs an accountant, everyone needs someone in finance. So I'm just gonna go do business in, in university. So, you know, as a, as a, as a ignorant 18 year old, you know, you're not thinking about any other thing, any other thing aside from money and job stability. That's the only yeah. two things that matter. Well, that's a lie actually. Number three was status. Cause like, you know, uh, this is not, not very commonly discussed, but like a lot of people, you know, 18 year olds when they go into university, they're not just thinking about money, they're thinking about, they're thinking about social status. Like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that might not be like a popular thing to say, but like there are people who have become doctors because it's society values that profession. Like it's, it's like yep. a high status profession. And yep. so there was definitely an element of that. There was definitely an element of me like thinking, oh, I'm gonna be this like hotshot Wall Street banker guy. Right. And, yeah. and honestly, that's the only reason, that's the main reason why I chose this, this profession. Well, little did I know that my personality doesn't like authority. So <laughs> I would say inside of like the first three months of my first professional job as a 21 year old with zero experience, with absolutely zero right to have the arrogance that I did, I did not like authority. Mm -hmm. I did not like people who were, who were five, 10 years ahead of me barking orders at me. I felt there were times where I felt I'm smarter than this person. The only reason why he's making more money than me, or he has a better job than me, is because he's just been here longer than me, right? That's that's how arrogant I was in my head. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't realize was that I just, I was never, I, I truly believe, Stephen, that some people are just made to be workers and some people are made to be entrepreneurs. Mm. I don't think there's anything good or bad about that. I think it's just a personality thing. Yeah. But I knew, I knew right off the bat, that I was not going to survive in an environment where I had, I had to be for, I had to become a bomb the bottom of a hierarchy and work my way up. Uh, I had to play all these office politics games to get to the mm -hmm. top if I wanted to get to the top. So I was not having any of that. Um, and then about twelve months into my first professional job, I took I I I spent two two weeks vacation in Malaysia backpacking with my best friends from high school. And I met this Canadian guy who was the opposite of me. So like, instead of going to university, he, you know, he had a, he worked at a pizza shop, bought a secondhand car, sold the car and used that money to go backpacking around Asia with his girlfriend. Like that, he had the complete opposite. Oh, yeah. Um, and this guy was like, you know, my age, backpacking around Asia, you know, visiting all these countries, just being a poor English teacher and having the time of his, his life, life, but he just yeah. seemed so happy. 
<laughs> and, I, and, I, and after I met him, I was like, it's not fair that I make more money than this guy. I work hard than this guy and I'm more unhappy than this, this guy. guy. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, this, something is wrong here. <laughs> and so I said, all right. So back then, my company had a plan where they're like, if you stuck around for a year after you got your masters, they would pay for the masters completely. But you have to get your masters while you were with them, and then you have to stay for a year after. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, cool, I'm going to do this. And once once my masters is fully paid for, I'm going to quit my job and travel around the world for 12 months. And nice. then I'll, 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 I'll figure out what to do with my life. I would say six months into that trip, I was like, I am never going back to the office again. I will flip burgers at McDonald's if I have to. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but I cannot stomach another crappy meeting, another passive-aggressive email from HR, another <laughs> another bullshit small conversation at the water fountain because the, yeah. the big bosses there, I have to pretend to be like I'm interested in him. Yeah. I couldn't stand that anymore. And so... But at the same time, I was broke. I was a backpacker. I had no money. I was just living off my savings. Yeah. So, go back a little bit. I was living with my parents the entire time on a, on a pretty decent corporate salary. So I was saving a lot of money. Yeah. But I just smart. But like I spent all that money traveling. And so it got to the point where like I'm down like my last $5,000. Like it's not going to last forever. I need to figure out a way. But I'm not getting a fucking job. I'm not getting an office job. I'm not getting yeah. an office job. And so I, as a des as anyone who's desperate in that situation, I went to Google.com and I typed in how to make money on the internet, how to yeah. make money online. That's what led me to discover the skill set called copywriting. And then I basically just devoured a bunch of books around copywriting. Um, and then through there, I got I went to freelancing. That's how I got my first paying client. Then I discovered Twitter, and then through Twitter, I built a personal brand, and through my personal brand, I, you know, I got more clients, and then yada yada yada. That that's how my business grew. Going yeah. back to your question about what was the biggest performance change? Yeah, struggle. I would say change. going from thinking as an employee, thinking going from thinking as an employee, where people are just like. The good thing about having a job, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, I sincerely mean this, is that you show up to work, you know exactly what you have mm -hmm. to do, you do the work, you go home, you don't have any responsibilities beyond just doing your job. Yeah. When you work for yourself, you are responsible for the results that you get. Yes. And so, like, you have to take full responsibility for a lot of things that you don't take responsibility for as an employee. Yeah. You have to basically you own everything. So, like, if if you do something and it doesn't go fat it doesn't uh doesn't go well like that's on you whereas when you're an employee you can kind of be like oh well it's the, it's the company like i'm just one person here yeah right yeah i'm just here i'm just here collecting my monthly salary it doesn't matter whereas here like if i if i fuck up my revenue goes down yes right um and so i have to like and also the other thing is i have to think about my future like when i and when i'm in my job it's just like yeah, my monthly salary is coming. I'm not going to get fired. Like, I'm just going to, you know, I have a five-year plan to become a manager and whatever. Yeah. But I don't really, I'm not really thinking far ahead and I'm not really thinking about the long-term consequences, consequences of my actions. Yes. So I would say going from employee to entrepreneurial mindset, that, that's been the, that's a complete game changer. I, I, I love that. 
because I've struggled with that recently. I have. Yeah. Uh, what it'll be two years in April, May next year that I'll have the two year calendar of me officially being a full time entrepreneur. And I would I would argue that the first six months of me leaving uh, my corporate job last year in 2021, I I, I it didn't really. I don't know. I I don't know if I made that switch fast enough, or it didn't kick in. But your your comprehension of what a hundred percent responsibility means changes. Uh, because yeah. you, you, what yeah. you thought a hundred percent responsibility was in your corporate job, you when someone asked me when I was working corporate, and someone said how much responsibility, how, how how responsible are you for, for your life, I would have said hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, of course. But six months later, after being an entrepreneur for six months, I'm like that guy had no fucking clue. He wasn't hundred percent yeah. responsible for his life. He was like yeah. 80, you know, 75. Yeah. Yeah. So like my, my at, most. at most, yeah. So my comprehension of 100% responsibility expanded. And yeah, and I, I honestly, you know, the ad you said about having your last $5,000, I, I I was down to not quite something similar because I had a decent amount of money in savings and investments and stocks, but I never want to touch those. Never want to touch those. Those, those are untouchable. But I was, I was getting to that back end of that sort of a, money that I put away that runway that I created and that motivation made me like fuck it I'm just going straight to getting people on calls and then all of a sudden I started signing clients because I was trying to sell a course and then upsell some people with the with the, the sort of the Russell Branson type value ladder thing where you sell a course and then send people a bunch of emails and get them on a call and it wasn't working for me and then I just scrapped that and went straight to like throwing a calendar link underneath my tweets and then all of a sudden boom uh, and that mindset came from, I'm not making money this way, so I need to change. I need to change what I'm doing. Yeah. But within a corporate yeah. environment, you would, I'd probably still be doing the course with the emails, just with, just doing the same thing over and over again, because there's no, there's no responsibility for me to get the result. It's just, this is what I've, this is what I've been told to do. This is what I'm doing. Uh, if that yeah. makes sense. If that, yeah. yeah. So, and even like when I was working corporate, man, like there were moments I would say, like, overall, I was not a great boy, but there were moments where I wanted to take initiative. And I would be like, this SOP doesn't make any sense, or this company policy doesn't make any sense. And with positive intentions, I would go to my boss and be like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And, like, you know, what do I think about changing this? And they'd be like, you're, you're like, way out of line here. Like, like, why are you trying to improve anything? Like, you yep. do your job. Basically what they would tell me. I, I, I've had that exact same conversation. I, I, I yeah. you, when I was working in my last corporate job as a leader, another leader, uh, fairly reputable senior, been there for a number of years, literally having lunch with me, said, Steve, why, why do you, why are you always trying to change things? What are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you, and I'm like, because it's my personality. It's, it's, I can't, it's like who I am. I, I believe yeah. in it. I, I believe in change. I believe that we should try to do things better. Yeah. Um, yeah, little it, did I know, that was my, that was like, gasps of my of my entrepreneurial spirit coming out but i didn't recognize it back then i, I just thought well these morons just want to you know they, they, they don't seem to think about these things they don't care yeah yeah um, I, very very similar to that but I, I i instead of thinking entrepreneurially i made this mistake of i because i love leadership i could i could i used to read leadership books like they were like smarties just like love the, love the leadership concept the simon cynics the dan pinks all that stuff uh, and my goal when I was getting my shit together in my late 20s, early 30s, I, I went for that up the ladder because I went, the higher I go, the more I can affect change. But the higher I went, the, the 
just the more stressed out I was because people don't want to change even at the higher level. They they don't like they it just it 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 would blow my mind. I'd be at six figure level in the corporate land and I'd be talking to other leaders and I'd be like, Oh hey, I read this great book over the last few months about leadership and they'd be like, I don't even know who you're talking about. Like I would mention these other leaders and other people who were earning more money than me, who were like more senior leaders, couldn't even have a conversation with me around leadership because they just didn't it wasn't something they were passionate about. And I and I think that well, that's been my entrepreneurial that's when I was maybe maybe it's not leadership that I'm trying to be good at. Maybe I should be an entrepreneur because then I don't have to deal with people who aren't in love with what they do. You know, so I, I find that a stumbling block for me. Yeah, definitely, man. So um, where were we at? Yeah, so I would say that's the biggest thing. And it's taken a while for me to to make that shift. I'm still not fully uh because it took me a few years to make this realization man because like there was a few years where it was just you know when you first start in business it's basically just like you're just you're just putting out fires basically yeah for lack of a better word you're, you're just sort of like you know you, you you're like oh i got i got get an email list together okay how do i start an email list <laughs> and then you spend the next few weeks like screwing around trying to get that done then it's like that doesn't work and it's like okay how do I actually get these emails to convert into phone calls? And you spend a couple of months going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And it's just like a constant steep learning curve up the steep learning curve up the steep learning curve. Um, but then you get to a point where it's just like, okay, so this is what it's like to be a business owner. You're like, like I just have to deal with this chaos. Yeah. It, it, I know. I, I, I love that because it, it is, it, you're constantly on a steep learning curve just always, but yeah. you, you, as you take action and learn, you build these capabilities that give you more confidence. Um, and who I was this time last year as a business owner compared to who I am this year as a business owner is day and night. Um, but I, I, I would argue that that kind of, gr the same growth would have taken me maybe two or three years of in a corporate job, but entrepreneurship, it, you, you grow or you die. <laughs> it's, it's like you, you, yeah. if you, you've got no option. So I, I, I Anything else to add in that story about is that where you're at today? Is there is there anything that you're you know you've talked about that 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 switch from you know employee to entrepreneur? You say you're still kind of dealing with it and coming to the realization of that. So is there if I was to ask you right now today, what's the biggest issue you're dealing with? Is is that still part of it, or is is it more technical to do with your actual skill set and your offer when it comes to ghostwriting and, and client yeah. work? No, right now, what I've noticed right now is I actually have a like a problem that I didn't even anticipate, which is that I have too much work. Like, um, you know, I I enjoy what I do and it pays very well, and I, I don't really spend too much time working as such as I used to. At the same time, um, I feel that right now my my time is sort of all over the place. Um, what I love about my about what I do is like being able to write. That's what that's what I want to do. But like because I'm a ghostwriter, I, I spend most of my time writing for other people, not for myself. Yeah. And so I would like to get to a point next year where I'm doing less writing for other people and more and going back to my roots, which is just writing my for myself, building my own brand and um and selling my own products. You know, right now it's like, you know, most of my income is it's agency stuff. Like um um basically you know most of my income is client client work related. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. I have great clients. I love my clients, but um, but it's it's also it it takes energy away from from what I should be doing, which is building my own brand. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, that, that's a that's a that's a really good sort of struggle and, and pivot to have because of what what you're doing is you're starting to ask yourself, well, what does success look like for me? Where do I want to where do I want to build bridges to? Because you, if you don't ask yourself that kind of question and have that kind of reflection, you can end up building bridges to destinations that you don't want to go, and you can end up with an yeah. agency, and you're always always working at other people's work, and you're never actually doing your passion. And I, I, I from, you know, from my perspective of knowing you, I, I sense that some of the threads that you write, especially the ones you do around movies and uh, other things you talk about, you do sort of investigating journalism style threads sometimes on topics. Um, that you get a, you get a lot of, of, of joy out of writing content uh, for your own pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. And that's, this is the funny thing, Stephen. Like, you know how it is on Twitter and in the business world. If you're not hitting a certain revenue per month, like, you, sometimes you feel like a loser. You're like, oh, man, am I, like, honestly, that's what it feels like. You're like, um, and so what I noticed was that this year, you know, financially, I've had, I've made more money this year than any other year. Brilliant. And well it didn't add any more. It didn't add that much more happiness, fulfillment, and joy to my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did a little bit. Not gonna lie. Obviously, you know, when you when you when you're when you go from making five, ten thousand a month to ten, twenty a month, it, it's it, it's life changing, right? But at yeah. the same time, it's really to me anyway. Like I maybe I'm just wired differently, but like I, I did I don't see that much contentment in, in money for the sake of money like to me it, there has to be an other an, an element I, I mean i know people say that you shouldn't chase your passions and that's i, I agree with that to some degree but but i also think that in order to feel a sense of contentment there has to be some sort of job satisfaction or or, or, or contentment with what you do beyond money itself yeah I I I hundred percent. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying that if you love movies, like you have to do something within the movie industry. I'm not saying that at all. But like, there should be some sort of pride in what you do, and some sort of contentment in what you do. Yeah, I know. I I I. I, To me, that's number one, and then like money's like just below that. I I really like that. I do like that because I I I feel very similar. Because I asked myself a question um, a while back, and I and I've blocked off a lot of things. There's certain things I don't do on Twitter because I, I. I've decided not to do it um, because I asked myself, what do I want to, what could I do for the rest of my life? If I, if I get, if there's one skill or, or one talent that I have that I feel like I could do in my sixties and seventies and eighties, it's what I'm doing right now. It's, it's coaching people one-on-one. It's having conversations with people. So my goal with once I decided what success looked like for me, it was like, well, I, I want to build this skill set uh, and this runway. And if it takes me two or three years, to get to a, to a certain level that I want to get to, that's fine. Uh, so I'm just going to stick with it. And, and, and I, I have like things like the a couple of years ago on Twitter, doing the Twitter growth stuff is very popular. And, and, and I decided, you know, there's a lot of people around me doing that. And there's the people doing it are much better at it than me. And it would almost be disingenuous for me to do it because I don't actually care about it. I, I don't, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't fill me with joy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it's the, I don't, I don't want to wake up each day and like talk about Twitter growth. So I, I, I kind of like didn't involve myself in, in, in that world. Uh, and I focus yeah. very much on one-on-one coaching. Um, and, and that's my experience from what you, what you're saying is like, I, I, you're, you're clarifying where you want to go and what works for you. And then you've got to go back to your original philosophy of sticking with the boring <laughs> habits that actually get you there. Uh, exactly. and you know, so it's 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 long-term thinking almost 
Uh, the question I will add to that as sort of a segue on to that to sort of jump in a question there. It, you know, you're talking about client work, you're talking about doing your own writing. If I could give you a realistic but magic wand and you were talking about like your, your brand as, as well, you know, if I could give you a Harry Potter moment, so to speak, and you could like magic yourself into the future in 18 months or a year, where do you want to take war on weakness? Where do you want to take your brand? Where do you want to go with your own self-performance? You know, where do, where do you see yourself? In, in the future, you know, what, what are you, what are you moving towards today? What are you building momentum towards? Yeah, man. So like, I'm a very visual, um, goal setter. I don't really pick numbers or anything. I just sort of like imagine my mind's eye, what, how I would want to, as you say, if I could wave a magic wand, how would I want to wake up tomorrow? Yeah. Like my idea of a perfect life is where, um, I am making a certain income number at a, at a low end. Um, but at the same time, I'm able to do a couple of hours of deep work a day. Yeah. And minimal. I'm the opposite of you. Like I don't like calls. So like minimum calls, <laughs> maximum writing time, reading time. Yeah. Um. And and that's pretty much what I want, man. Like I just want to be able to make a certain amount of money without having to, um, you know, spread my energy over various clients. Just focus all of that energy on my brand and and, and writing about things that I'm passionate about, I'm interested in. Um, and then, you know, in, in, in terms of how it monetize that, I think it will be a combination of digital products as well as high ticket coaching, like one-on-one coaching, which is something that's pretty new to me. I've only done, I did that for the first time this year and I actually got a lot more satisfaction from it than, than what I thought I would. Get. Yeah, I, I really like one-on-one coaching it, yeah. when, with people. I, I, I it, it, the I, it's almost like a fear at the beginning, like with your, with, with your first couple of clients. Sorry, cut you off. With your first couple of clients, did you have a fear of like maybe I can't deliver for this person? <laughs> yeah, I have a fear Is right now. Normal? I, 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 hundred percent. Yeah. I've actually got a couple of clients right now that are legitimate, legitimate, like legitimately got number, got multiple businesses and making millions of dollars. I'm a solopreneur who just has to look after his dog. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm talking to people, you know, productivity and performance wise and, and structure helping these people with their structure and, and getting clear on their vision. And they've made yeah. millions of dollars and created two or three businesses. And I'm now helping yeah. them. And so for in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, that's the, you know, I, I haven't created a million dollar a year business. That's, that's my big goal. That's my goal of my coaching brand. That's my 10x keystone goal of, of what I want to do over the next three or four years is create a million dollar a year coaching business or, or solopreneur brand, whatever that is. Stretch goal. You know, I, I got to the six figures this year, roughly. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's a 10x of where I am today. Um, but yeah, no, that, that I, I don't want to call it imposter syndrome because I, I don't really believe in that because I think that's just like a weird fear. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 the first couple of clients I had was like, like, oh, what am I doing with these clients? But I, I think for me having a having a um, a background in project management, I when I think about the ninety days or the six months that I work with people initially uh, two year, a year and a half ago when I was first coaching people I was doing a ninety day package with uh, twelve sessions that, that was my baseline I think it was like, I think I was charging three thousand dollars for that but I actually mapped out exercises and a journey and a destination. So I had these tools already built. So when I started coaching somebody, I wasn't just like doing it on the fly. I actually had a, 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 a destination set that I wanted to take somebody and I had these tools to help me get there. Um, and that really helped me. Now, my journey now with, with clients is a lot different. It's bespoke, one-on-one. -on -one. It depends where they want to go. Uh, 
but it, it, it's it's down to the individual and where they want what the results they want to achieve. Um, yep. But yeah, no, it, it, it yeah, it was one on one the first time I did it. You're you're like, oh, okay, well, what are we doing here? What's what's happening? But again, it's it's like for me, I'm I'm a performance coach, so it's like, well, the end goal is to improve the person's performance. So how are you going to do that for you? You're probably uh, helping someone become a better writer. I would just, is that what you're doing here? One on one package. Yeah. So like it was a it was a basically it was a beta, beta test run, but I was helping a couple of people grow their Twitter accounts. Okay. Now after I signed them, I signed about four of them. I was just like, I'm not going to get results with these people. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And two of them got amazing results. And that's what gave me the confidence of like, yes. shit, okay, all right, maybe I can actually do this. Um, it's not as scary as I thought it was. Uh, it's just about, you know, to be coaching is like half of the, half of the challenge is finding people, finding winners before they become like superstars. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that, that you know, what that, that's a really good point. Um, and I think for me, one of the reasons my... my who I target with my offer keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller because I'm noticing yeah. the exact people that the the exact business owners that I help who who I actually get really good results with, and I'm starting yeah. to notice even on calls with people I'm like ah, my offer's not ready for this person because I'm not going to get this person results. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's yeah. like almost like where I would clamor maybe to sign that person up to some type of life coaching or performance. Like everybody jumps on a call. I'm like I've got to sign this person now. I'm like. I don't know. I'm not going to, I don't think I want to work for this person because I don't think this is the right fit for me. And I don't think that what I actually do is really going to help people or help this person specifically. So it's, it's almost like if without actually starting and doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, you don't actually really know who you're doing it for until you keep doing it. So the people that you got really good results in, it's like you, you, you review them and be like, well, why, why did they, why, why were they the perfect fit? Who were they? What, what industry were they working in? You know what was their mindset, their age, whatever that is, and then you you then try to duplicate that client over and over again. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so yeah. So you were asking me about where I want to go with my business. Yeah, that's my ideal situation where I make, you know, most of my income uh, selling my own products uh, with through my own brand, but also doing a little bit of high ticket coaching on the side. Yeah. Yeah. The the one thing I'll say when you were talking about how you wanted life to look, and, and this is something I was very, uh, I, I liked a lot when you were saying it, Eddie, you actually talked about how you want to feel on a daily basis. You talked about yeah. how you want to spend your time. That is brilliant, by yeah. the way, because that's, that is, that's success. That's, but that's making success visible or, or clear for how you actually want to feel. Uh, the amount of people I speak to when I ask them where they want to go in their life, and they give me vague answers, uh, not necessarily on a, on a podcast, but maybe on a, on a discovery call or when I'm just generally talking to people and they're asking for my help and they hit me up on Twitter and we jump on a call. When I ask them what their future is, it's numbers, it's it's Fugazi, it's it's things, it's material. It's, yeah. it's, it's you went straight yeah. to, I want to get up in the morning, do some deep work, hang out with my girlfriend. Uh, I want to feel good. Um, I want to have my own, you know, I, 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 you have no idea that's actually how you're meant to do it because that, that is you're verbalizing your goals in a way that you're succeeding them daily because yeah, it, you're, you're, yeah. you're getting the deep work done. You're feeling good. You're, you're running your own schedule. Um, yes, yeah, so you, yeah, that's really good. Just wanted to call that out that, that that's, yeah, I appreciate that, man. Like, uh, and I think that I've, I've definitely like brainwashed, like me myself into like thinking the other way. 
because like I said, especially if you're on Twitter, like like I said at the beginning of the call, you know, if you're if you're like 10, 15, 20k a month in your business, sometimes you feel like a loser, right? Um, whereas the way I see it, like if you're it, it's context specific, right? If you're somebody yeah. with zero online experience and you're making five thousand dollars a month from your you know in the first six months of online business, you're doing you're doing exceptionally well compared to the rest of society. Like there are people who spend five years going through university, you know, working their way up a job to get to get the five thousand dollars a month at a at a job. Yeah. So if you can do that with a Twitter account like in, in six months time, you know, you know, you're actually doing pretty well. Um and so I think that as you say, like I've always been a very visual thinker. Uh I don't set goals based on numbers and objects. Like I, I set goals based on like what movie do I want to be living in? You know, that's how, <laughs> like I, that's that. how I see it. Honestly, that's that's literally how I see it. I like I imagine myself like how do I want to wake up tomorrow? Like what time do I want to wake up? Uh what sort of weather do I want to wake up to? You know, what's what's what emotions do I want to be feeling throughout the day? Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 that's for me. That that's the you're, you're you've got the macro goal of maybe numbers you want to make, products you want to sell, yeah. Uh, yeah. brand numbers you want to have. That's the macro goal. But the micro goal is actually well, how do you, how do you want to feel each day? What are the habits and systems and rules that you have that actually make you feel fulfilled? Uh, and those actually are the things that are going to move you towards your goal. Your, your goals. Those are the things that are going to give you momentum. So I, I love how you how you think about that. And at this point, because you mentioned movies. I'm just going to completely go off on a tangent here and I'm going to ask you a random question. For me, on Twitter, I, I look around and I see some absolutely fabulous storytellers, writers, content creators that are just like amazing. And you've got AI now as well coming in and artificial intelligence writing fantastic stories. You can't even tell the difference. You know, you, you get the AI template and then you put your own stuff around it. You wouldn't even know the difference. Question I have for you then. Why are modern movies so shit? <laughs> Why is the writing of modern movies and TV shows so bad if we know so much about the story, the hero's journey, story branding, storytelling? How do they get it wrong so often uh, in modern movies these days? What, is your, what are your thoughts on that? As a copywriter, as somebody who's a fantastic storyteller with your threads, who hits all the points of the hero's journey as you help your, 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 uh, your clients with their brands, what do you, what do you think has gone wrong? you know with, with the general yeah there's actually there I, I could spend hours talking about this there's actually a lot of different problems but I, let's call it the obvious one so like a couple of obvious ones is that people i think that hollywood the way hollywood is run these days like it's it's run by it's not run by artists but like there, there used to be a time when artists directors would have a lot of creative input about how the, how they want the movie to look like yeah Whereas now it's like it's very much like a numbers game. You're like, mm -hmm. All right, we're gonna we're gonna spend this much money on the movie on on a on a on this movie project because a, a movie is a, it's essentially a it's essentially a business. Like yeah. you, like you invest a certain investors put money into it, they expect a certain return out of it. Yes. So that's that's another thing. Like for example, look at the franchise business. Yes. Right. I think the first. I mean, we had franchises in the '80s and the '90s, but like not like they are today. So the way they monetize franchises today is that they do something like Harry Potter, right? So Harry Potter, you're not just making money from the movies; you're making money from the merchandising and all of that that comes from the power of that franchise. Yeah, that's why they, they they create so many like 
trilogies, they just force it upon us these days. Yeah. When it's, just not, it's just not necessary. So I would say the financing part of it is definitely a huge part of the equation that's destroying the creativity inside Hollywood. But the one thing from a, from a movie-specific standpoint, like, they just don't write interesting characters anymore. They don't know how to develop interesting action mm-hmm. and, and, like, the CGI and the graphics that, you know, they don't, they don't think about, you know, as human beings, what, what, what makes a certain movie or a certain story relatable to us yeah. is the characters and, like, the journey they go through, okay? Uh, it, like, you know, I'll give you a little example of this. So, so I was born in '85, so I'm 37. Um, so the first Disney movie I ever watched was Aladdin. Uh, yeah. I was seven years old when Aladdin came out, and so I, I decided to rewatch that movie like two weeks ago because it just happened to be on on TV, and I, I had seen Aladdin since I was a kid. So I was like, "All right, I'm gonna wa- I'm gonna watch Aladdin." And it blew me away, like how powerful it still is. To, even if it's like just like crappy yeah. graphics, it doesn't have that fancy uh, CGI, uh, um, you know, 3D technology that, that that you know Pixar animations creates these days, yeah. which is wonderful. But it's just it's just like uh, it's it's old old school '90s cartoon, right? But the character of Aladdin and that, and that story of like this poor guy who. Um, makes a beautiful princess fall in love with him and then you know he uh you've seen the movie right steven oh yeah i, I know the story the aladdin yeah. yeah yeah and then he like he tries to become something he's not by by pretending by pretending to be this fancy prince yeah and he realizes that you know it was it was actually being him just being authentic that made the princess fall in love with him and then so he basically gives himself being a prince and yada 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 but like i asked myself you know what why is aladdin such a great movie it's because the the story that 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 classic story of just being yourself and being and 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 creating a likable character like Aladdin. That's gonna that's what resonates with the audience. Yeah. Not the fancy designs or how good the movie looks aesthetically. Um. It's it's the actual character. It's me- it's creating a memorable character that millions of people can relate to. Mm. So like right now, um. You know, Hollywood creates these characters, these models that of like the perfect woman or the perfect man. Yeah. And and it's not relatable because real life people are not like that. Yes. Right. Yeah. If you if you watch if you look at a classic movie like Die Hard, I mean, if you look at if you look at um, what's the character's name in Die John, Hard? John, uh, John McClane. Yeah. If you look at John McClane. John McClane's not like this handsome like. He's a he's a, he's a broken man. He's he's a broken man. He's got he's yeah. he's, he's divorced. He's he's like semi you know he's probably an alcoholic. Like yeah. Um, he's a chain smoker. He doesn't have he's he's probably got a bit of a flab. If you took you know when he takes off his shirt, he's probably he's a bit flabby. Yeah. He's not he's not like a he doesn't look like a, he doesn't look like a Marvel superhero. Right? Yeah. Because he's not because real life people are not Marvel superheroes. Yeah. Okay. What? 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 What's? What's? You know, being a hero is not being a super. It's not being a superhero. Being a hero is trying to become the best version of yourself, despite all the all the all human flaws. flaws that you yeah. have. And so, yeah. like all the movies back in the day, your Indiana Joneses, your Star Wars, 
you got part of the lab. Lethal weapon reminds me. Yeah, they're all deeply flawed human beings. Yeah. But yet, despite those flaws, they're able to do something good in yeah. their life. And that's what makes them relatable. And that's what makes them real heroes. Whereas mm-hmm. now, the heroes these days, they're like the movie equivalent of an Instagram model. It's like this <laughs> aesthetic perfection. Only MCU. It's just, it's, it's just fake. It's just not realistic. Yeah. And so they're not, they're not memorable. None of these stories, none of these movies, none of these characters are memorable. Yeah, yeah. I, I think out of the MCU, the only one that really was memorable to me, who really went on a arc, uh, which they kind of actually I think cut out of the third movie a little bit, was Tony Stark. Uh, you know, yes, yeah, exactly. yeah, he's so an alcoholic. Tony Stark, you need. Yeah, yeah. Tony Stark is the one that stands out because he was. Uh, he first of all he went through the first hero's journey of like deciding not to fire weapons anymore because of his experience, and then when he saved the Avengers and the Avengers movies, he ends up with, like a PTSD and he becomes a drunk. And I think they actually cut that scene out of the movie. There's a scene actually in the in the that was cut out that he gets drunk and he's in his suit and his buddy, who's uh, the other guy who's got a suit, the guy from the U.S. Army, I can't remember what he's called. This character, War Machine, I think. I can't remember. It's been years since I've seen the movie. He actually has to like calm him down. And they actually cut that scene out of the movie because it really showed that Tony Stark had spiraled, like spiraled out of control you know and i was using alcohols away and i thought why would you cut that out it really made him a lot more relatable it was almost like robert downey jr's own journey in life so to speak um and out of all the mcu characters i honestly cannot i reference another one that had a very unique powerful relatable um multiple up and downs story the rest of them are, as you said they're, they're they're cut and paste they're they're too clean it's like one yeah. sad thing happened to them and they became a hero that's why you know if you go on to the superhero analogy this is why batman's so popular mm, right? yes because he's the most human of the superheroes he's, he's yeah. a regular guy right and he's he's got a fear of bats right and so there's, there's that relation uh, relatability because we all we all fear something um you know, of the of the um, of the X Men, who's the one most popular? Wolverine. Yeah. You know? What what's super flawed got, that got in common with us? Well, he's he was just a regular guy, right? Yeah. Basically kidnapped him and turned him and like injected that that web material into him and turned yeah. him into a superhero. But um, but yeah, you know, wh- why why is Wolverine so popular? Um, the most popular X Men. Why is Batman the most popular Superman? Uh, superhero because because they're relatable. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, good uh, good conversation. I wanted to, to dive off there because I I know you're a bit of a movie buff and, and you're really into that. <laughs> and I, I I I myself have I you know I do I do like reminiscing and I'm going back. I mean I was born in the '80s, so I I you know a little bit older than you, but I definitely grew up on 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 those movies as well. And you know if you're asking my my top ten list movies like Predator and stuff drop in there because it's just like so influential in my uh, Aliens, uh, the first two Alien and Aliens, like they they're so influential uh, on me. Um, yeah, and even even the early Star Wars ones, but I'll not get deep into that because I, I don't really watch the Star Wars stuff anymore. But yeah, it just it's such an impact on me. And even now, when I watch a lot of modern movies, they just they just don't seem to like one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Clint Eastwood, who I respect so much as a as a as a character, is uh, um, Unforgiven, and every single character oh. in that every single character in that movie is flawed and 
overcoming some lie or bullshit or, or, or dark past. If the bad guys, the yeah. good guys, everybody's flawed. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. And pretty much everybody dies. It's yeah. a great movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the first film he directed, I think. Unforgiven. Was it Unforgiven, one of his first movies he directed? That's because classic. I think so. I think so. Yeah, it's an amazing to, film. Yeah, I might have to go back and watch it. It's been it's been a couple of years. Uh, I think I watched it when the pandemic hit a couple of years ago when you know, we were stuck in the house and I was just going through all the old movies. But Unforgiven just stands out for me as one of those, um, like that's a proper movie, a proper Western. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and sorry, just to finish up this point, like I think a lot of films, Matt Damon actually mentioned this in an interview, they're they're made, they're made to watch on like your iPad or like to watch on TV on on Netflix and stuff. Yeah, because that's that's just the nature of the business now. That's the medium, yeah. Whereas like like a lot of filmmakers these days, like it's very rare is where there's a film where you like I have to go watch that in the cinema. Yeah. So there's a big difference between creating a movie and creating what's what I call a cinematic experience. Yeah, so I, I don't know if you watched the latest Top Gun. But that's like, a that cinematic actually, experience. That, 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 that's a cinematic experience. experience. That's an experience. That's a film where you go, okay, if you have to go to the cinema to watch that. Yeah, I, I watched it when it came out on the downloads there, but it. That's a great. That was a great movie. When it, I think it's on streaming sites now, Top Gun. I and that was like I was there was so for me it was nostalgic because again Top Gun it's in that because I, I don't know as a kid I I used to love the uh, Hot Shots movies was it uh, the the yeah, ones that take the piss yeah. the ones that take game. the piss yeah and take uh, they take the piss out of all the um the like those type of action movies uh you know I think it was Hot Shots Part Two you know it, it just I, and Top Gun was one of the movies that they just mocked uh predator yeah. rambo all uh, it was, yeah so it's, it's kind of funny that uh, it got a lot of the nostalgia with that movie it was very well done very well done so to, to get back onto what we're talking about twitter business with your growth and everything when it comes to storytelling and uh, when it comes to sort of what you know about it how, how do you uh, apply that uh, something that i still I'm, I'm learning a lot i'm doing a lot of story brand stuff donald miller don't have ever come across him i'm trying to learn how to tell more stories within yeah. my brand and Donald, yeah. Donald, Donald Miller has a great book around that called Story Branding. But I'll ask you, you know, I've got you on a podcast. You're, you're an expert in this area. Uh, how do you use the hero's journey or storytelling devices to help ex help grow brands on, on, on Twitter and online? Okay, so it goes back to what I was saying before about the movie. So it's, it's all about relatability, right? Uh, the reason why it's... Uh, um, you know, you could get the, the 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 most knowledgeable. Let's just say I'm growing a brand for a fitness coach. Okay. Yeah. Everything you know about to know about fitness is on the internet already. Like, yeah. you, you can only talk so much about um, counting your macros, eating your protein. Like, it's it's like the the science doesn't change. Like yes. fat loss, everyone knows. If you if you know a little bit about fitness, everyone knows how to lose fat. You got to lift. You got to eat enough good protein. You got to eat whole foods. You got to get your steps in. Like it, it's yeah. very basic. But what makes one fitness coach different from another? It's 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 the unique lens of their experience, and that's where the storytelling comes into play. Yeah. Right? So like, if you're able to, if you're able to um, share your story and and be and like really put yourself out there, that's going to naturally attract people who can relate anyone who can relate to your story so mm -hmm. let's just say your story is that you were somebody who was fat and 
and then uh, you basically went on this journey, and then now you're like this Jack Chad guy. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, what's gonna what's what's gonna what's gonna make your content resonate with people who may want to work with you? Yeah. People may want to work with you. They're fat themselves, and so like, um, you know, you need to speak. You need to speak to like, you know, you know how how did you feel when you were in that position? How did you feel when you were fat? Um, what sort of challenges did you face? How did you overcome those challenges? Um, you know, what uh, what sort of uh, insecurities did you have? Because that's mm-hmm. what's going to make you relatable. And when you have that, when you have that relatability, that builds trust. And and then from that trust, that's how you get clients. Because people don't just pay two, three, four, five thousand dollars to a stranger on the internet. They pay it to a stranger on the internet who they can trust. And how yeah. do you build that trust? You build it through stories. Because Stories is kind of like a way to codify your experience. Mm, I like that. That's how I describe it. So like, it's kind of like, hey, Stephen, like, this is my experience. This is this is my experience codified. You know, here, you download this code to your brain. Like, that's what yeah. a story is. Your unique NFT so is like, your story. It, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and yeah, I guess that's, that's a good analogy uh, to think of it. Um, but like, if you don't have that, if you don't have that storytelling element of your brand, then it's going to be very difficult for you to build that trust, that layer of trust that allows you to, um, you know, get, get into a, a, a monetary transaction with, with some stranger on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a really good, really good answer. I mean, it's, that's great. I think it's almost like going by. Let's, let's apply this to politics, Steven. So like. Why do you, you know, we like to pretend that we vote for this politician because, because they have the best policy. It's bullshit. <laughs> like we, we vote for the politician because we like them. Yeah. We like them. We see ourselves. Why do we in like them? them? Because yeah. there's just something about, maybe it's bullshit. Maybe it's just that they have very good campaign, cam- campaign managers, but there's something about their story that you relate to. And if you look at, if you study political campaigns, most of the campaign has nothing has very little to do with policy and everything to do with like storytelling yeah yeah very much so they they, they very much create a us versus them as part of their narrative and then they just hope that enough of the us's that they want vote for them and exactly and that's that's, 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 that's there's their story behind that so uh, yeah i like that a lot so it's like it's almost like when you go referencing, we talked about aladdin there you know from disney it's almost like you want to tell your aladdin story of how you went from being fat to thin and how you got it wrong and all the missteps that you used and actually what the reality was after all the trials you went through, it was this simple five-step process that actually helped you. Uh, but you had to go through all those trials and error to actually create that five-step process. So, it, you know, it, it, it's that, that that connects a lot more than just tweeting out fitness platitudes uh, in that example. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so... Ah oh, man, I wish I remember the quote exactly, but like a writer I, I I used to very I used to look up to. He had a, he had a great quote. I'm I'm paraphrasing it, but something like if you want to if you want to earn green as a money, yeah, you need to be able to bleed red, which means like you need to be able to tell your story and like be vulnerable. Yeah, because like a part of storytelling is not like I said. The reason why these Marvel movies and stuff don't do very well is because. Just, they're, just, they're, they're not telling a story. They're selling propaganda. They're basically like painting this picture-perfect character, this picture-perfect world that doesn't exist. Whereas a real story, it's ugly. There's 
there's there's there's bits where there's parts where you're down, there's parts where you're vulnerable, and so if you don't if you don't if you're not willing to talk about those things where you're just being vulnerable, even if it's something like Twitter growth, every Twitter yeah. growth guru talks about how hard it was at the beginning because <laughs> that's what makes them relatable to yeah. their customers because their customers have zero followers, they're not getting any engagement, they're not getting any growth, they're not getting any, any responses from your DMs, and so like even if you're just a Twitter growth guru, you have to talk about how difficult it was for you at the beginning because that's what that's that's where the relatability comes in and yeah. that's the element of your story that makes your customers believe in you and believe in what you have to sell yeah no yeah it, it's really true that is really true you have to sell that sell the relatability it's almost like i hear a lot of people always talking about you know uh talk about how you're talk about your struggles talk about where you were a year or two years ago and talk about how you solved that and then put that out into the world and the next thing you know you've got a bunch of clients that are a year or two years behind you and then you're solving their problems for you so it's, it's a very um good way to sort of get your first couple of clients is to think about well what what struggles did i overcome what was my story what's my journey and then let's talk about that and then show people how you actually became successful exactly exactly, exactly right good a, a, a great conversation there around storytelling i mean it's again it's something i'm, I'm very switched on to at the moment because I, I i really feel like you know the uniqueness of standing out it, it, it's very noisy out there it's it's a very noisy space uh, and i think that to really get deep and get get to those I, I go straight to the high ticket offer and to really get to those high ticket clients i've really got to show not only that i'm capable of taking people and showing my client results but also showing the the, the trials tribulations and struggles that i've overcome that has got me to this point today and i think storytelling is is, is an art that that i think every content creator needs to learn yeah, man. At the end of the day, look, man, I'll give you a little example, right? So when I try and sell a digital product, whether it's through email or whatever, you know, I have a tendency because I have my blind spots, like sometimes to just like talk about like the features of the product. Yeah. Like this course has this, 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 and that. It's going to have this module. It's going to, it's got this many hours of, of video footage. Your customers don't give a shit about that. Uh, whereas if I just tell a simple story of like, here's a guy who was broke. He bought the course. Uh, he was like at, at a job he hated, and then he applied the course, and then he quit his job, and now he, he's living the, the, his, his like the um, the life of his dreams. And I just plugged the link to the product. Like that's when I sell more than trying to like oversell the features of the product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell a simple story of like, here's a guy without the product. He bought the product. Here's what happened to his life after the product. Here's the link to the product that he bought. Like yeah, it it's, the it's, it's sells the product for it's, you. It's, it sounds so simple, it, it, but it is. It is just to explain how people explain the results, explain how people use it, tell the story, get more people, so you can tell more stories, and it's just a continuation of of, of collecting stories and, and talking about them. Exactly. But that that, that 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 is the way. That is the way. So with that said, what you know, if I could ask you, getting back into your journey. You know, we've talked about where you want to go. We've talked about, you know, storytelling. We've dived in the movies there for a little bit, you know. But if I could ask you, what do you think is the biggest thing standing in the way of your next success right now? What What is the thing that, that if, you, if, I, if I could sell you a magic pill right now to get rid of it, like pop, boom. What, what, what would you, what would that pill do for you? Um... 
Man, I think honestly, like it, it, it really is just, it's, it, it's really just on me to, 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 to sort this out. But if you could sell me one pill, it's just to get my time back on my, on, the, on this time I spend doing client work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you know, I, like, because I, the problem I face right now is like, it's not that massive of a problem. Like I, I know I just have to like eventually slow down client work and then, you know, I'll probably, my income will probably suffer for a few months um, yeah. and then I'll build out you know, a new, a new income stream that that's under underneath my own, um, that's only underneath my own banner. But, but if you give me a magic pill, man, maybe it would just be to, you know, more time, man. More <laughs> that's, time. All that's really no, I need more time back myself. Yeah. And I, I feel that I feel, that. I think at the moment, my magic pill, uh, would probably have to be, really getting into deep work i i feel like i do maybe one little 30 minute to an hour a day and then i struggle to get back into it i i i yearn for those like you know really deep two three hours of, of getting into flow uh at the moment i've struggled with that over the last month or so i mean covid is probably a reason for it uh but yeah it that that would be my magic pill definitely man definitely. yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited to see what happens in 2023 for the both of us yeah, no, same man. I'm very, very, very excited. Uh, I'm rolling into 2023 in, in, a, in a great position. Uh, you are as well, so I'm very excited to see where where you go with your business. Uh, I know we've been we've been chatting for about an hour, so I'll, I'll uh, you know ask you a couple of a uh, handful of like sort of wrap up questions. Uh, the, the 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 first one uh, is what what is a contrarian view that you have? Maybe with self performance, maybe with personal development, maybe even with copywriting or or storytelling. Where do you push back against the norm? Um, so for my example would be, uh, I, I push back against optimization. There's lots of like productivity coaches that talk about optimize your calendar. I, I honestly think optimization is something that you see in Bolt does or Elon Musk does or the British cycling team doing the Tour de France does. It's like, it's optimization is something that you're, you're taking something from an elite level to an even more elite level. But to get to optimization, there's about 20 steps that you should be doing first, clearing, getting your focus, your, your goals, getting yourself understand what success is, whatever that is. So I push back on optimization because that's where a lot of people start. So that's my contrarian view uh, for my specific area of, or niche of interest. But in your area, in your life, where would you normally push back on the normal advice, on the typical advice? You actually stole mine because that was the example I was going to give. <laughs> I'll give you a subcategory of what you just told me. <laughs> Sorry, man. I actually love to make fun of. That's okay. I, I don't know if you've seen, you, you've seen, you know, the IQ distribution meme. Yeah. Um, I made a version of that the other day. Uh, sorry, a, a couple of months ago where the midwit, the one in the middle. Yeah. It was like, it was like this complicated productivity app thing where you're, you've got your notion. You've got your Evernote. I think I remember seeing that Apple line. Note, and and, and you're like, you've seen that one, right? Where they're just zapping from one app to the other, really? read-wise and all that sort of shit. Yeah. And like the high IQ and the low IQ person is like, I wake up and get things done. Yeah. Um, so I've tried every productivity app you can imagine. Like I've tried organizing my life with the notion and like over planning everything. Like to me, Pan and this bit of paper. is my productivity app, guys. Yeah, it's this notebook and, nope. and this. Look at this. We it's, call it's, this where I grew up. This is called a pen. A pen. Right? We use mind a pen. blowing. Mind blowing. And this is called this, this is called paper. And uh, and with this, I run a multiple six figure business with this with this paper and pen and yeah. Google Docs. Funny, I do I do a similar thing. 
yeah. So um, I think to extrapolate what you just said, I think my contrarian view is that, especially in the postmodern world where we have so much information because of the internet, like we're drowning in, in information. We're drowning yeah. in optimization. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we're drowning in noise, man. Yeah. Um, so it's the same thing with fitness. Okay. Yes. Like, it's very, very easy to fall into a trap of just, you know, I want to be in a keto diet. I need to take 20 different fucking supplements. I need my fish yeah. oil. I need my magnesium. I need my lip. I don't know if you follow health Twitter. <laughs> I was actually telling a health Twitter guy the other day. I said, listen, man, the problem with you health Twitter guys is that I go on health Twitter and if I'm not taking a hundred supplements, <laughs> my meat is not, if, if I'm not eating grass fed, grass fed beef, if I'm not drizzling fucking truffle oil over my steak. Yeah. If, if it's not, if I'm not, if I'm just eating regular white rice instead of basmati rice and my water doesn't come from a fucking glass bottle, it comes from a regular plastic bottle. Like I'm going to fucking die. <laughs> Shocking news for you. You're going to die anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so again, it comes back to like, we just overcomplicate things. Man. Like yeah. you don't need all that shit to be healthy. Just eat real food don't eat processed garbage exercise do some sort of, you know if it's just playing sport do that you like to jog do that do mm -hmm. some sort of exercise don't just sit around your ass all day uh eat real food eat what grown-ups are supposed to eat everyone knows how to eat healthy let's not bullshit about that yeah um you know make sure you sleep like don't abuse alcohol don't abuse drugs you're good man you're like you don't need everything else is just a bonus yeah and it's the same thing with business like most of the most of the fancy shit that you think you need because some guru wrote and wrote a thread about it you know um have you ever heard of jomo no i'm not sure. no i don't think i have so what? fomo is the fear of missing out yeah yeah i know fomo yeah. is the jomo is the joy of missing out the joy oh i love that so basically <laughs> the joy of missing out i i you know so, what i've never heard that before that's great i really yeah, like that some marketer invented that one yeah um, so Jomo, the joy of missing out is basically like just ignoring all of the fad diets, ignoring all whatever the latest shit is in your niche. Just ignore it. Yeah. Just stick to the fundamentals. Yeah, I love that. I mean, because that resonates very much with me. I, I have a deep appreciation for that because again, my my main core message is do less dumb shit. Um, yeah. And my, my problem again with with the product with the personal development industry per se is it's all about more habits, new habits, do this, do that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. no, the the biggest wins you get in your life is when you actually remove the majority of the shit that's holding you back, mentally, emotionally, physically, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. You know, and the same with fitness guys. If you just stopped eating all the shit food, if you just stopped binge eating, if you just stopped like uh, you know if you did a little bit of fasting if you stop doing you know eating six meals a day or snacking all uh, stop drinking beer stop drinking alcohol for a while all that weight would just disappear you wouldn't have to go to the gym it yeah. would you know it, yeah. it, it it's um and, and again removal's always been so much more powerful but there's just like real weird i don't know if it's pervasive in, in in culture or society that it's more it's do something new it's and everybody's got a new feature or a new program or a new thing to sell you um yeah jomo love it joy of missing out because you know 90 of what's out there is, is pointless it's yeah love it uh it's really really good yeah man uh so i'm trying so 2023 new year's resolution man 
Less FOMO, more JOMO. More JOMO. I, I love it. I love it. JOMO. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Okay. So wrapping this up because we've been, I don't know how long we've been talking. So I, 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 I'm, if you, if I, if you, the whole world was going to wear a t-shirt for a day, a printed t-shirt, what would you have printed on that t-shirt for that day? All right, we're gonna go full circle. I think on, on the T-shirt, I'm gonna say something like, um, um, uh, "How would I, how would I explain this?" Um, <laughs> stick to boring because boring works. Stick to boring because boring works. And I don't give a shit. If that's a, that's like the most boring fucking T-shirt. That 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 is the most useful t-shirt that will save your life honestly man some of the ones i've had other people say is like you know, get shit done minds do less dumb shit you know stick to the boring because boring works i i love that the, the, the thing is that the again the theme of the conversation it's the simple stuff that works it's the simple yeah. to the point yeah. almost platitudes to a sense but they're more yeah they're more they're they're less fluffy Pragmatic and more just like platitudes. yeah <laughs> Yeah, pragmatic. That's a good name for, that's a good name for my next course. Pragmatic, pragmatic platitudes. platitudes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Get open a new Twitter account. And start the, pumping them the out. The sales topic's gonna be yes. This is a product about platitudes. Yes, I'm a guru. Yes, I'm selling. I'm, I'm charging hundred dollars for this for you. Yeah, well, ninety nine ninety seven or something. Ninety nine seven. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So stick to the boring because the boring works. Eddie, it's been an absolute pleasure uh connecting with you having a chat with you having you on the podcast i love your work i love what you're doing uh i'm so happy for all your success over the last year you've had your best year uh keep it going uh you know for everybody anybody listening to this this podcast uh tell them tell, tell them about your offer tell them about where they can find you uh yeah yeah so um best way to find me is on twitter it's at war on weakness one word um, if you are an entrepreneur and you've got a high ticket offer and you're looking to scale that through Twitter and you don't have time to spend on Twitter, send me a DM. Um, or if you want to learn more about, you know, what I have going on with my brand, uh, join my email list, join.eddiequan.com. Cool, cool, cool. I'll put all that in the show notes below. I highly recommend jumping on Eddie's email list. Uh, some good stuff always comes out from that and obviously if, if you're not following on twitter why not I, I remember when i first started following you you used to have uh oh my god what was the 80s movie uh totally uh, forgotten his name escape from new york escape from new Snake york Bliskin. but uh, yes Snake yeah great movie uh Snake, yeah again a, a flawed character uh yes. who who uh, over very, very much of a 90s kind of character i mean i, I mentioned lethal weapon i was thinking about you know yeah uh the kind of like the the crazy guy who is able to pull it together and, and, and win the day. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's great, man. Uh, and and uh, the, the wrap up, any questions that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Um, not really, man. Like I'm actually, you know what? I was actually, I, I had no idea because I knew you were a productivity, uh, not productivity guy, but you were a performance guy. So I was like, ask us questions about performance. And I was a bit nervous. Like, I didn't know what questions you were, were going to ask me because I, I had never really think of my performance really from that lens um so i was a little bit nervous but i was quite surprised pleasantly surprised by the questions and uh yeah man it's, it's been a great conversation man like it's always it's always nice chatting with you um but yeah i i hope the podcast does well um 
And, and yeah, man, I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. I appreciate it, Eddie. We, I, 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 it's a small podcast. I, I, to be honest, and even the people listening to this, they can hear this. One of the reasons why I started is so I can have more conversations with, with people like yourself. I can reach out and actually talk to other content creators, uh, people who, I, who I'm friendly with or people who I want to build deeper relationships with. I, and I recommend anybody listening to this, if, if you want to actually uh, you know, have deep conversations and learn more about what people do, starting a podcast is a great way to do it. Uh, like some of the stuff that I've had conversations around that, with some other creators. That, that's one of the projects that's kind of like, I don't know, it's, like, it's on the back of my mind for sure. Yeah, on the list. yeah, I've got yeah. It's it, it it's good fun, and I, I I I I get talk until the cows come home. So I, yeah. I love I love having a conversation with people. And I think that with uh with AI that we touched upon briefly, with that getting more powerful, like I think podcasts are going to get even bigger than they all they they than they already are. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that authenticity. It's the storytelling. It's connecting to an actual human. Uh, it's actually getting to see whether the person who puts out that content actually is the mind behind the content because you you could quite easily uh, in this world now create a virtual reality version of who how smart you are by using artificial intelligence but then can you actually back that up with results and good conversation and formulate your own ideas you know when when you're talking to people one-on-one so i would definitely agree with you of that that you know the the the, us as humans is never going to be replaced by artificial intelligence in, in my opinion no, I, I'm I'm with you all the way. I'm definitely an optimist. I think if anything, it's good for society because it's going to force people like us to level up and be more authentic. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody who's like afraid of AI, you're afraid of being authentic. Yeah, that that's, that that's the real problem. That's the real problem. And AI is just basically forcing you to become more authentic. I love that. I love that. I, a thread coming soon on that topic, Eddie. Possibly, I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna write it down. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I would love to read that. That is right down your alley. I would love to read that. Uh, this, you know, that would be that would be great. But anyway, absolute pleasure, Eddie. Uh, thank you for having you on. Uh, thank you. For, thank you for being on. Sorry, uh, it was great talking to you. And uh, I hope you have a fantastic Christmas and a fantastic New Year and an absolutely amazing record-breaking 2023. All right, you too, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we'll talk soon. The SPS podcast is brought to you by the Pro Accelerator program, helping business owners and business leaders save at least 10 working hours a week, improve their focus and make more money. If that sounds like something you're interested in, check out the show notes and follow the links.